as the ball is falling into Nettles' glove, the phone rings. My mother picks it up. I burst into tears. Oh. My mom says, it's your grandfather. I say, I don't want to talk to him. But she said, no, no, no. You have to be a big boy and you have to answer to him for this. She gives me the phone. I'm eight. Oh. He says, where's my money? <laughs> I said, I, I don't have it. And he says to his eight-year-old grandson, you know what happens to people who Welsh on bets? They get their legs broken. Oh, my God. Eight years old. Oh, my God. So anyway, after several surgeries on my femur and kneecaps, I was as good as new, but I learned a very valuable lesson. Oh, my gosh. And I've heard that story, but I always wish for a different ending, Brian. <laughs> Time for episode 92 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Courtney Kelly is a licensed mental health therapist. I, Brian Mulhern, a longtime mental health patient. And we were going to do this one quite a while ago, right around Super Bowl time, because there was an article about how gambling was through the roof. I think it might even be more relevant now, Courtney. We have Selection Sunday coming up for March Madness. Mm -hmm. Everyone's getting their brackets ready. And we also have a little story about Calvin Ridley. I'm not sure if you know much about that, but I'll explain more in a little bit. But before I get into that, tell them what we're talking about. Yes, we are talking about gambling, specifically problem gambling, as March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month, Brian, which I didn't realize until timely, just a few timely, days ago. timely, very timely. 10 million people in the U.S. do have an issue with gambling. They're calling it the hidden addiction because you can't see the addiction physically. You can't see when someone has a problem with that. So really this month is about promoting education, talking about prevention of problem gambling and ways to get treatment. And I just want to let people know if you have an issue or if someone else has an issue that you know, we do have resources up on our Wellness 411 page, catcountry.com, and we put those up under the gambling Okay. Title. Mm-hmm. Now, to talk about Calvin Ridley and how much of a problem this can be, and a guy who essentially risked his career over it, he is a wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, and he got caught gambling on Falcons games this week. Oh. Some of the bets were in the neighborhood of $1,500, yeah. so you think, well, for a guy who has that much money, maybe not that big a deal, until he just got suspended for a full season wow. and is losing 11 million dollars in salary just to make what for him were very small bets. That's somebody who most likely has a pretty big problem. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. When you see it affect your career like that, when you see it affect your relationships, this is when it can be a big problem. And I've worked with people who were kind of on the edge. They were sort of starting to develop more of an issue with gambling. And of course, not always is gambling an issue, but people need to put in some time limits, money limits, that kind of thing. Stay away from some of the places that might be triggering. If you feel like you're moving into that realm and you're feeling like you're being more impulsive or you're spending more money than you want to or you're spending more time on it than you want to. But these are the signs to look for so that maybe you can prevent having a full-on gambling problem. And we also want to make it clear, this doesn't just pertain to sports. Now, Mm -hmm. they made light of it on Seinfeld, but the character of Kramer clearly had some gambling issues Mm -hmm. and had to stop in a couple of episodes 
to the extent that he was at an airport and he was doing bets on arrivals and departures oh, yeah. with some guy as they were sitting there waiting to pick people up mm-hmm. from a flight. And sometimes people do take it to extremes outside of the world of athletics. Exactly. There's a lot. You hear about people, they get addicted to bingo. They get addicted to going to the casinos, of course, the slot machines, playing some of the games, scratch tickets, lottery. And now the thing is, there's so many ways you can access gambling online and on your phone that they're showing that there's even more and more women that are having problems with gambling. A lot of it has been connected to boredom or feeling restless and wanting to have an escape. And so a lot of women, I was reading an article and one of the ladies was talking about how she's standing in line at Stop and Shop. She could be just doing some food shopping and she's having access and doing some gambling. And so there's more ways to do it and there's less barriers to it because before it might be like you might have to go into an atmosphere that you're not comfortable with or something like that. Now you can just pick up your phone and people are gambling. And to speak to the boredom, hello pandemic, Mm -hmm. people sitting around having the most boring life ever looking for something to give them a little bit of a boost Mm -hmm. and to make them excited and you want to talk about the ease and accessibility if you bring it back to the sports gambling first of all you know it started with fantasy sports then you had things like DraftKings. then you have the ability here in the state of Rhode Island you can go to Twin River and bet on games there you can do it on an app on Mm -hmm. your phone that's now available in Connecticut New Hampshire not in Massachusetts yet a lot of people are very, very upset about that and kind of surprised that a state the size of Massachusetts with all that competition around it and all those dollars available Mm -hmm. that they haven't jumped on board. But I would think that maybe some of the reticence and reluctance might revolve around some of the fear that this can really get away from people. Yeah, exactly. And also, you had mentioned with the pandemic, there has been a huge spike in people looking for treatment and calling some of the hotlines during the pandemic. And that's a great thing that Mm -hmm. people are looking for help, but it's also kind of showing that it really did spike during the pandemic. People were bored, they were feeling unease about a lot of things, and they do have studies to show that people who have more issues with their emotions, they call it like impulsive coping. Like when you can't sit with certain emotions that are challenging, you're looking for ways outside of yourself to calm yourself, and this happens with addiction in general. People will reach for something else to feel something differently so they can distract themselves from some of the things that are going on for them. So they're finding in a lot of the studies that the impulsive coping, that's something that if you have some trouble with managing your emotions and you're always looking for something to get rid of those emotions or not feel them, gambling has been increasing because of that. They're looking for something else to distract themselves. And it makes sense because a lot of addictions, that is one of the things that's at the root of it. I always remember a story from when I was very young about how this kind of thing can get away from you. Mm -hmm. My parents knew somebody who won $500 on a scratch ticket. And rather than cash in that ticket for the $500, the thought process became, well, if I got $500 off of one ticket, Mm. what if I buy 500 more? What could I win then? And the answer is nothing. (laughs) They lost the entire $500 and never got anything back. But it was probably that rush and excitement Mm -hmm. of, well, this is good, but the next thing can be better. It's almost like a drug, you know, the next hit, you build up a tolerance, you need more and more and more. And that's one of the things they talk about too, is if you're gambling, know that it's for entertainment and the house always wins. I mean, there's a reason why they say that. 
people do win. But overall, when you look at the bigger picture, it's set up for you to lose, Mm -hmm. especially when you go to casinos and stuff like that. So know that you're doing it for entertainment reasons. But they show that people who start to have problems with it are the ones who start to look at it like it's a Mm moneymaker. How am I going to make more money? Or they start to get really stressed out when they're losing and they keep throwing more money, good money after bad. It's like, oh my gosh. And we've all seen that. And I think one of the first times I was exposed to it, I was working down in Mesquamacate. And I remember there was a couple of guys who would travel around and I said, oh, what do you guys do? And they were doing odd jobs and stuff. And they said, oh, we're professional gamblers. And I said, oh, really? They were telling me these stories, but the highs and the lows was stressful to hear about. Oh, we'd win this, we'd win that. But yet they were traveling around doing odd jobs. They didn't have too much to their names. And it was just kind of scary. I remember thinking like, wow, what kind of a scary existence. But I think for them too, there's that rush. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that people get pulled into is a lot of people who are more prone to gambling are risk takers and they have more of a tolerance for that, the highs and the lows. And so also kind of watching out for that too, because overall, when you look at the bigger picture of your life, you can see where that can be an issue if you're not able to build anything. Well, think about the early stages perhaps of alcoholism Mm -hmm. where you get hammered and you have that high and then the next day, oh my God, your head, you're getting sick, you're hanging over the Mm -hmm. toilet. So then you want that high again, you go and Mm -hmm. get it and then you need to drink more to get it. And then eventually the more and more you do it, the hangovers get a little bit less Mm -hmm. and it's more about chasing that high and you don't really worry about the low as much and I feel like that's almost the blueprint for what can happen with gambling. Now, Mm -hmm. I am somebody who has obsessive compulsive disorder. You can back me up Mm -hmm. on this. Fortunately, I've never had it affect me in this world. And Mm -hmm. I will tell you that the, I guess, quote unquote fortunate thing is I'm one of life's losers. I've never really experienced that high where I have won that huge cash prize. Because you're a winner in lots of ways, Brian. (laughs) In other ways, perhaps. Don't be calling yourself a life loser. (laughs) (laughs) But the way that I can relate to it and I can get where it could get away from me and I put the brakes on this immediately. I did play fantasy sports for years and I did it against friends Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of smack talking that was going on so I had a lot invested in it and a little bit of money, not a ton. That was probably the good news. But I remember the excitement of when there would be a game and I had four players from my quote unquote team who were playing against each other in the game and I could keep track of them all and if one of them was having a huge night I'm going back and forth between Mm -hmm. the computer and I'm like oh my god and I'm talking smack to my friend who I'm beating that week and I'm getting into work at the radio station the next day and instead of hopping onto my laptop to see what's going on in the world to talk about it on my show I'm checking my scores to see how I did and after a while I just thought is this productive? Mm -hmm. Am I really having fun because I would stress out about it? I've told the story about how this was before technology was a thing we all had phones if one of my players got hurt I remember I was away on a trip with my first wife and I said stop stop I gotta call my dad I gotta get him to get this player out of the lineup and I'm calling my dad who's much older and can't figure out the technology and my wife is like <sighs> and you're getting frustrated I'm <laughs> like freaking out that yeah. my father's not gonna be able to figure this out as opposed to the rest and relaxation that we're supposed mm-hmm. to be having can you see how that yeah. snowball can roll down <laughs> that hill that was enough for me yeah. and I am that person who will go to Mohegan will go to Foxwoods I'll set a $25 mm-hmm. limit and when the $25 is gone let's hit the bar <laughs> exactly 
setting those limits, but you can see where you can start getting pulled into oh, yeah. things and it starts getting bigger and snowballing. And that's some of the signs that we look for, especially the people doing things secretively. They're moving money around. Mm-hmm. And I had people that I would talk to and it would be like, oh, they're at the casino again? Like, oh, what's going on? Or they're there for hours and some of the behaviors like that, that you can tell they're having some problems and isolating from others. So like you said, some of the behaviors that you had, if you continued with that and you didn't have that self-awareness, you might have been like, I really have to focus on this and not be focusing on your friends and family and people around you. Right. Isolating. And the other thing, too, is when people are gambling with money they don't have or little money, I've seen it where people would say, I need to go make my rent. I'm going to the casino. You're not going to make your rent. But they're thinking, like, I already lost all this money. I need to go make some back. That also shows that they're having issues, large debt. And sometimes in extreme cases, too, people start getting into some illegal activity because they're freaking out. They need to make the money because they've lost so much because of the gambling. So there's a lot that goes on with that. I've worked with people from all extremes, some people who have had such an issue that they were losing their house, losing their car, like losing a lot of things around them. And through treatment, we'd also connect them with supports and with support groups like Gamblers Anonymous, and they would relearn how they can live without the gambling. I've also had people where, like you had said, we need to put some limits on it. They started to notice that they were using it, less of entertainment, more of like, okay, I need to get there. I have to get there. That feeling of, I need this right now. So we'd put limits on money, limits on time, and that would really help them to get a handle on it and make it a part of their life, but nothing that was interfering with the functioning of their life. As you speak about all of those things, I just suddenly remembered the movie Lost in America. Have you ever seen that, Albert Brooks? Oh, I don't think I did. Basically, it's him and Julie Haggerty who was in Airplane. They're a couple, and they decide to just sell everything, Mm -hmm. get a Winnebago, hit the road. They have $100,000, and this is going to be this great adventure for them. They stop in a casino town. He wakes up one morning. She's not next to him. He walks down at the roulette table. She's lost everything. (laughs) That's kind of the premise of the whole movie. And you talk about digging a hole like Mm -hmm. that, a hole that seems impossible to get out of doing something behind somebody else's Mm -hmm. back just to try to have some fun in this newfound life. And yeah, it can get really, really dangerous. And while it's comedic in this movie, there's nothing Mm -hmm. funny about it in real life. No, it's really scary. And like I said, I've worked with people where your heart goes out to them because just like any addiction, nobody is trying to harm their life. They're doing something because at the time, It makes them feel better. They're coping with something. They get caught up in it. And then you start to panic, especially when it has to do with money. You start to panic and think, okay, one more. Maybe if I can just get that one last. Think about how many movies and TV shows are about that, that one last hit. I just need to do this one last job, one last this. We kind of have it in us. We have that impulsivity. And also, like I said, when people act out rashly, when they have really tough emotions, that can lead them to different addictions. And so that's another reason of if you feel that way or if you know someone who has a really tough time managing their emotions, that's another great place to start is therapy, to get a handle on that and to get some help around some coping for that so it doesn't develop into some other things like addiction. Here is where gambling addiction has impacted me. Locally, there is a restaurateur who has been very successful and has opened many places and you go in there and it's just jamming with business. Mm. The food is unbelievable. The portions, everyone's like, this guy's got to be making money hand over fist and he's selling the gift certificates, $25 for a $50 one. And then all of a sudden the restaurant is gone and it happens from place to place to place. People try to cash in those gift certificates 
certificates. Mm. They're worthless. And everyone's like, where's this money going? And the rumor that I've been hearing is this guy has mm-hmm. a gambling addiction. And he goes and he blows all of this money. He loses everything. Then he'll go to another town. He'll open up another oh place. Gosh. Lather, rinse, repeat. I don't yep. know where he's getting the money or the loans to be able to, to be do able to this. Do it, yeah. But I have heard that story. And I think, too, as we always say, whenever something happens to you in your childhood, it shapes who you are as a person in good and bad ways. And this might be the way that I learned a lesson about gambling from a very young age. When I was seven years old, I was an enormous Red Sox fan, as I am to this day. And my grandfather, who was a surly sort and a little bit shady, was a huge (laughs) Yankees fan. And he used to always brag about, because the Yankees had won so many championships, he would gamble and he said, I made a ton of money off of this. And he did. He had a ton of money in savings Mm -hmm. off of the gambling and the winnings that he had. You mentioned those professional gamblers and the highs and lows. Back then, too, even with him, the stress would be this. Look, a lot of it is regulated now. When it wasn't regulated, you were dealing with some unsavory characters. And if you didn't have the money for them, Mm -hmm. that's a low that you don't want to hit or be hit, if you Mm -hmm. will. And that's where this story brings us, because heading into the 1978 season, my grandfather and I were talking smack about the Red Sox and the Yankees. And the Red Sox and the Yankees both had really good teams that year. And I said to him, as a seven-year-old, I'll bet you $1,000 that the Red Sox are going to beat the Yankees and go further and maybe even win the World Series. And he said, you've got to bet. Well, the Red Sox have this unbelievable first half of the season. By the time they hit July, which is the midway mark, they're like 15 games up on the Yankees. And I'm in his face about it. I'm so excited. (laughs) But then injuries start to hit and the dog days of summer. And then the manager started to panic and he was throwing his best players out there when they were hurt and they were making all kinds of errors and they weren't hitting. And then the lead is dwindling and dwindling. And then there was this Boston Massacre series where the Red Sox went into New York and lost four to the Yankees. And now the Yankees got ahead of the Red Sox (sighs) in September at the end of the season. Now my grandfather's in my face and I'm freaking out. And then on the very last day of the season, after 162 games, the Red Sox and the Yankees end up in a flat-footed tie for first place. So they need to have a one-game playoff to decide everything. Can you imagine the stress on a seven-year-old? I was then eight at that point in the season. (laughs) He turned eight. Not as if that maturity made (laughs) any difference. And I will never forget this game and where I was and how it unfolded. And for people who are baseball fans, it became known to Red Sox fans as the Bucky Bleepin' Dent game. This light-hitting infielder ended up hitting what turned out to be the game-winning home run. This guy had broke his bat. The guy never hit home runs. And he just hit like a pop-up. And the green monster is so close, it went over. It was a three-run homer, I think. Uh, And then the Yankees went on to win. The Red Sox were rallying in the ninth. And Carl Yastrzemski was up. And I'll never forget, he swings. He pops it up to Craig Nettles at third base. And as the ball is falling into Nettles' glove, the phone rings. My mother picks it up. I burst into tears. Uh, My mom (laughs) says, it's your grandfather. I say, I don't want to talk to him. But she said, no, no, no. You have to be a big boy and you have to answer to him for this. She gives me the phone. I'm eight. uh, He says, where's my money? (laughs) I said, I I don't have it. And he says to his eight-year-old grandson, you know what happens to people who Welsh on bets? They get their legs broken. (laughs) 
god. Eight years old. Oh my god. So anyway, after several surgeries on my femur and kneecaps, I was as good as new, but I learned a very valuable lesson. Oh my gosh. And I've heard that story, but I always wish for a different ending, Brian. Because I feel so bad for that little seven two. And once again, Brian Mulhern, one of life's losers. But here's the thing though. Now listening to it, I'm thinking maybe in a weird way he did you a favor. Because he did teach you. For people who have that problem, maybe if they had had a moment like that, not that I would wish it on any seven-year-old. That was a dysfunctional moment for sure. It may have put them on a different path or made them look at it a little bit differently. Because it traumatized you and it really marked you. By the way, when he died, my inheritance, minus a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) With interest! I was going to say, with interest. Yeah, yeah. That's son of a... Well, we have these moments in life where they stick to us. There's a lot of moments in life that we can't remember. It's like, oh yeah, I don't remember that happening. But there's certain ones that are pivotal. And that is one in your life that you will never forget. And there's other things pinned to it. And we do learn from those. Sometimes they hold us back. Sometimes they traumatize us. But this is something that you will never forget. And it informs your decisions now. And don't forget, too, because I've told many stories, I'm also the son of someone who's a little bit tight with the purse strings. Right. So that combination actually probably helps. And I know this about you. When you do choose to spend money, which you will, you will do it on something quality, something that's meaningful, (laughs) something delicious. No, something that's meaningful, something that means something to the other person. Uh, For a gift, yes. And you will put in a lot of time and effort when you do gifts. But you also, when you spend money, you really take the time to make sure, because it hasn't stopped you from spending money. It's just made you be more respectful of the money. And that's actually a great thing. And what you do with it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really great thing, too. So you've actually pulled out a lot of good lessons there, Brian. I don't know if you're going to thank your grandfather, but like your father. Uh, He can rot in hell. (laughs) Freaking Yankee fan. (laughs) They get their legs broken. I'm just kidding, Gramps. They get their legs broken. I can still hear it. Oh, my God. I hear it, too. Oh, scary. So to anybody else who's thinking about gambling, (laughs) you want to get your legs broken? (laughs) I know some people. Oh, my gosh. But it is. It's pretty amazing, too. Like I said, some of the things that stick with us like that, that we can really learn from, or sometimes we have to move through. But I think that it's important for people to take a moment to reflect on that. Well, how many times have we said, if your life went well all the time, you'd never learn anything? Mm -hmm. And we saw a question the other day that I think we will be doing shortly on our own show. Would you rather be smart and sad (laughs) or dumb and happy? (laughs) Oh, I struggled with that question. My husband didn't. He's like, dumb and happy. I was like, oh my gosh. But the thing is, you would be dumb and happy if nothing bad ever happened to you. When bad things happen, you accrue street smarts. Mm -hmm. You're not as trusting of other people. And Mm -hmm. while on the surface, that kind of sounds sad, Mm -hmm. it's very beneficial. So you know me. I want to be smart and sad. I've got the sad part done. i got to work on smart (laughs) and things. Smart and sad. This is why we do this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's to have the dialogue, to have the conversation, to talk about treatment, to educate on different areas. But I think with the gambling, even if we can't relate to it for ourselves with gambling per se, there's always other things that we need to be mindful of in our behaviors and things that maybe are not serving us. They might be not interfering with our functioning, but it could be things that are preventing us from having that happiness, from moving forward and the things that we want to do in our lives. So this is just bringing more awareness to that. Or as you've said too, take that focus and put it on something else Mm -hmm. that's more productive. Try Wordle. (laughs) 
that thing. But don't be putting money on it. No <laughs> yeah, wagering with exactly. Wordle. Exactly. But yeah, as far as with the gambling, though, I mean, when you look at it and say, okay, well, how do I attempt to get some help around this if you felt like you needed some? Or if, like I said, if you knew someone that needed some, just understanding the problem, understanding some of the triggers. When I work with people, we talk about what is it that makes you want to go gamble or whatever the addiction is. What are your triggers? For some people, it is like we talked about the boredom, loneliness, trying to fill things up, maybe avoiding certain emotions. Maybe you're looking for excitement. Who knows? But looking for the triggers. There's a lot of support and help out there, too. I just wanted to mention the hotline number. It's 1-888-ADMIT-IT. That is one of the hotlines for gambling. There's other ones, too. We have up on our Wellness 411 page at catcountry.com. One five um, six seven legs broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one Brian set up. It's, it's been very, very Not getting a lot of action. <laughs> Avoiding temptation. Now, this is for a lot of things. I use this for food. Staying away from certain things or not bringing it in the house. Avoiding temptation. Right. As far as like some of the bad snacks and stuff like that. But as far as with gambling, avoiding going certain routes if it's going to bring you by places that are triggering. And after over time, just like when I talk to people who maybe are quitting drinking, you don't want to be walking by bars or going in restaurants with the bars and that kind of thing. But eventually, down the road, you can start to reacclimate to going into restaurants and stuff like that. But it's the same thing. If you're trying to stop gambling, don't be tempting yourself and going with friends to the casino and just saying, oh, I'm just going to sit over here and listen to the music. You're tempting fate when you do that. So staying away from places that are triggering. And I do have friends who do gamble from time to time, and mm-hmm. some of them a little bit worse than others. When I see that friend and this is what I was going to say around the time of the Super Bowl, who is nipples deep into the prop bets. Mm -hmm. I've got two grand on the length of the national anthem. Is it going to be over two minutes or under? I mean, Mm -hmm. the minutia and the number of things that you can bet on. Speaking of triggers, which can also be a problem, it's just insane. And if you step back and just be mindful about it and notice like, wow, can I not have fun without doing all of these things? And is it fun? I think it's fun, but once I'm sitting there, am I not enjoying the actual game or enjoying the actual thing because I'm putting money on it and I'm feeling terrible about what could happen. So it's really being mindful of that. Noticing your cravings, the intensity of the cravings, just like we talk about with other things when people have issues with drugs or alcohol. Cravings last for a certain amount of time very intensely, but they don't last forever. They go up, they come back down. So notice when you have them and distract yourself for maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes doing something else so that you can refocus and then you will start to feel a little stronger to deal with them again. When they're really intense, yes, you do need to seek some support and some distraction. But think about some other ways of coping and some other things that you can do to fill your life with other activities aside from the gambling. Or just embrace my lifestyle. Be at peace with never having fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have fun on Friday nights, don't you? Oh, Brian? yeah. He's got a full night of finances <laughs> and working on the podcast. He does all sorts of stuff a on Friday A little bit of nights. binge drinking. <laughs> Laundry. (laughs) And then Courtney told me about this thing. Maybe we'll talk about it next week when I've had too much to drink. She's been to parties where they take people's keys and they put them in (laughs) fishbowls. Google that. Back in the day, I was never there. I just heard about it. I couldn't even believe you knew about it. I read a lot of books and they refer to it back in the day. Stay tuned for episode 93. Maybe we'll do a little something, something on that. Yeah, (laughs) no.
But the most important thing, too, is going to that wise mind, thinking about the bigger picture on things. And we talk about this all the time, too. Sometimes in the moment, we want something, but let's look at the consequences of those actions and look at the bigger picture. And if (laughs) Exactly. You will look at the bigger picture like, oh, my gosh, to really think about that. And that goes for anything. Any kind of impulsive act that you're thinking about doing, does this get me closer or further away from the goals that I have in my life? And a lot of times, maybe it's getting you further away. So addressing that and taking a moment to look at that. Amen. Courtney, if people want to get all up in your fishbowl, how (laughs) can they contact you? You can always write to me, wellness at wctk.com. And like I said, we have great resources, catcountry.com on the wellness 411 page. At Cat Country Mornings on socials, Courtney with the C, Kelly E.Y. Bedard, sometimes, <laughs> or Fishbowl Annie. Ah! <laughs> <Gosh>. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. My individual page, Brian with an I, Mulhern, H-E-R-N. Courtney, I'm willing to bet we've helped some people with this so. one. I certainly hope hope so yes. as well. We don't know what we're talking about next week. Yeah, we maybe know. it's the keys in the fishbowl. Maybe it's not. <laughs> you never know around here. But that's why you have to tune in <laughs> to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Courtney, thank you as always. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I want to talk about-